I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. It's football and other F-words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I have Michael Herndon and Zach Lyons on with me today. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Doing good, doing good. All moved in. Um, just got stuff everywhere. Just it's it's a it's chaos in this house, but it's a nice house. We we enjoy it. We like the neighborhood, and uh, there's a really great pizza place that I'll probably talk about constantly called Pitchfork Pizza. It is so freaking good. It's uh, it's nice, nice uh, having a little pizza place right there. You know, yeah. You gotta have your little like home food places. Yeah, it's not nice for my body, but it but it is nice. It's all right. Like ML Rose moving into Mount Juliet is like the worst thing to happen for my waistline since uh, you know, like the invention of kolaches, or or when I moved to to Texas and discovered kolaches. I feel I feel like fatherhood. And dad bod. I mean, like it automatically oh, totally is inevitable, right? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to look like uh, the rock or anything over here. I mean, those days, not that I ever did, but those days <laughs> are well in my, my uh, rear view mirror at this point. You're not eating 600 pounds of cod a day. No, no. I mean, I, I basically, you know, the, the uh, one-year-old father life is essentially like you throw whatever food is available in your mouth while you can uh, and, and then hope that uh, that's enough for the day. Yeah. How many, how many times do you find yourself like half of your meal is whatever chicken nuggets they didn't eat? <laughs> oh, that, that's a lot of it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like oh, one for you, one for me and my, my son. So he likes to share with us. So like every time he's eating, he'll like stop in the middle of eating and like offer us one. And you know, we don't want to be rude. So we take it. Um, so I get a lot of children's food. At least he hands it to you and then doesn't want to throw it. Oh, he likes to throw things. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. I was hopeful that that wasn't going to be the case. Well, he likes to feed the dog. So he's figured out that the dogs like it when he throws things. So the dogs are not helping uh, the the situation because he loves the dogs. Speaking of throwing things. And I know this is going to start a war and I really don't care because I know they're differing opinions on it. I want to throw the Vandy Whistler out on the field. Like, I want to see someone throw that man's body right into the outfield. I want him to get Suns and Ford. So you you guys are both uh, uh, Vandy Whistler haters, right? Anti-Whistler, yes. Anti-Whistler. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's two of them, right? And they're on opposite sides of the field. And oftentimes, one who didn't whistle – will end up getting punched because they've already been recognized as a Vandy Whistler from previous games. And so other teams, they, these guys get punched all the time. What? Yeah. So that can't it, be I true. just, it's true. I just heard it on the, I heard it on the the radio. I can't remember which one Oh four five show it was here in the local radio station, but um, they, it, it, it's a thing. They, they, because they're on each side, it, they're so loud. And to be honest, um, whoever sent the video in our group chat, that was really the first time I've ever heard the Vendy Whistler was like two days ago. And I guess they do that little chant all game. All game long. Now, see, the people it, clapping would be anno- more annoying to me. The Vandy clappers are more, more annoying to me. To me, so it, it's the whistle for me, and it's because it's that shrill awful just like noise that you cannot ignore like that's one of those noises that i can't turn i can't make my brain ignore it it just every time it happens it's like like right in my ear and i'm just like it's like someone jabbing me in the ear with knives over and over and over again all game it's and and so to back up in case there is three people out there don't know what we're talking about the vanderbilt baseball team has two fans in the stands that do this synchronized ridiculous whistling that has been going on for i think about a decade yes yeah, and uh, they're they're notorious within the vandy group there are there's a large contingent of vandy fans that defend them for various strange reasons but their whistling is extremely loud on the broadcast and espn the last time they were at the college world series tried to have the vandy whistlers thrown out they tried to move their seats 
multiple things to try to improve the audio and they eventually just had to give up because the guys weren't going to stop and they technically weren't breaking any rules of the college world series here's i have i have two problems with with the vandy whistler or whistlers a they're clearly doing it just for their own entertainment and 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 that's that's problem number one and i can't i can't believe i'm about to defend mississippi state here but like i hate the mississippi state cowbell i think the cowbell thing is stupid and i think the sec and the college world series are right in banning them from bringing those things into the stadium for various reasons right because it's it's an artificial noise maker now you could argue that anytime someone's whistling it's making artificial noise yes but these guys do it the whole game and they're creating this artificial noise the whole game that is audible but my other problem is that Vanderbilt fans, for some reason, find this as some sort of aggrievement against them. I have multiple people writing me messages on Twitter saying, um, if Vandy fans don't care, they're just out here winning. You know, Vandy's just out here winning other rings while you're complaining about the whistler. That doesn't, that's nonsensical. That doesn't make any sense. A, I want Vanderbilt to do well. And B, their success on and off the field has nothing to do with these two morons out here whistling. Yeah, I, re- I really don't understand the, the people that defend them to the degree that they do. I mean, if, if it doesn't bother you, fine. Like, sure, it, it may not bother everyone, but it bothers a lot of people because I'm certainly like Lebowski and I certainly are not the only people who complain about this because it it, every year around this time when they go to the college world series and there's a bunch of eyes on them, people go nuts over this thing. And it's because it drives you crazy. And I, I literally, I cannot sit there and watch a game with the sound on. I I just can't do it. It it gets in my head and it just drives me nuts. So I either have to mute it or not watch it at all. And you know, look, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, like Vanderbilt, look, I'm not trying to take a shot here, but not exactly crushing it in athletics besides baseball. This should be their marquee program. This should be their program that draws people in and says, Hey, maybe I should, maybe I want to be a Vanderbilt fan. But if the casual fan is turning on your game and all they hear is this clap, 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 like all game long, A lot of people are just going to be like, no, I can't deal with that. I can't sit down and watch that for four hours because look to me, it's like the, the sound to me is like, if you, if you sit down at a restaurant and, and there's a screaming child there, you know, we've all been in a restaurant and a child is screaming their head off, just go into town, cannot be calmed down. Like they're just going crazy. Right. It drives you crazy. Right. Like you can't, Stop. you can't not hear it you can't like talk to people around you because it's just in your head and to me it's like sitting down at a restaurant to have a nice meal I want to enjoy my baseball game and there's a screaming child in the booth next to me but that screaming child is going to be there for four hours and it's never going to shut up it's just going to keep going and I have to sit there and try to enjoy my meal. Guess what? I'm not, I'm not going back to that restaurant if I know that that, that child is going to be there every single time I go there. That's what I feel like the Vandy Whistler is. Every time I want to sit down and watch a nice Vanderbilt game and enjoy that meal, I am getting bombarded by these whistlers slash screaming children. It, it is that that's the experience for me. And so as, as a casual fan, as someone who enjoys local sports and wants to see Vanderbilt have success, I, I just can't get on board. I, I want to get on board. I can't. And I guarantee you there's other people out there like me who would love to embrace your program and would love to root for Tim Corbin and these guys. That, I mean, it's a phenomenal baseball program. They do everything the right way. Love, love the program. But these two guys, they're doing it for their own attention, for their own interests, whatever ruin it for people like me. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one you should want to be attracting people to your athletics program with your best program uh, as kind of the, the lure into maybe, you know, more football fans in the stadium in the fall, but I you're turning people off. I, I can't tell you, it may not bother you because you're like a Stockholm syndrome Vandy fan, but it bothers other people. Look, I'm an agent of chaos and I listen, I don't care about anything about Vanderbilt baseball. I don't care that they're now, they were just down the road from me. 
or they're now 20 minutes down the road from me. I don't care. But I thrive and love that it, this, these two guys just drive everybody up the wall. I love it. I, and it, and I get it. It, it doesn't, it, you all cannot enjoy the game. You all watch the game. You know, that's your fault for watching baseball. Let's be honest. Baseball's boring. <laughs> it's college baseball. It's even worse. You know who makes up college baseball teams? The worst people on the planet. Anybody on college baseball teams, the college baseball players, they are so, I, I don't, I, they're, they're basically jerks. Those high school bullies and all this stuff. They're, they're so annoying. I just never met a college baseball player that I've ever wanted to hang out with or like. So really it's on you guys. And if you really want to watch the game, go watch it at a bar and then you don't have to hear it. You know, there's other ways around it, but I get it. I, I do. I understand the plight of the, the casual baseball fan not being able to watch Vanderbilt baseball. I mean, there's there's a lot of shows on TV right now y'all could be watching. So let me offer you some some different avenues of entertainment other than watching crappy, boring baseball for for four hours, four hours out of your day to watch a baseball game. Holy crap. You can watch you can watch about three or four seasons of Nailed It on Netflix. I mean, that's way more enjoyable and there's no Whistler and it's exciting and it's hilarious. You know, you can't you can't say that baseball fans or baseball players are the worst, but like NFL players are just saints. Like, yeah, college football players I mean, are just the let, nicest let me, people. Oh, college baseball players are the worst. They're they're like, like I'm a, not saying they aren't. Yeah, but they're, they're I mean, like come top on. five. Players are not exactly. I mean, football players I mean, they are not they exactly aren't getting arrested for. Bullies. They aren't getting arrested for driving around with Uzis, though. You know, so they at least have that going for them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that as far as personality wise, not as far as like morality, uh, just just personality wise, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, they're just the worst. They're, they're, there's no redeeming quality. I've never listen. There are bad football players. There are bad players in every sports. But I've never met or seen a good college baseball player. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Listen. I get it. It it makes it unenjoyable for you guys to watch the game. But I just find it hilarious. I, I do. I, I find it hilarious that there is there are two guys who just up and decided to start whistling. Like that's wild. It's a it's a wild thing to come up with that, hey, we're all gonna do this chant and then I'm gonna whistle. And now it's a tradition. Like there needs to be a Titans whistler, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 going, well, maybe uh, not a whistle, maybe not uh, a whistle, but something that the Titans fans can get behind and do that annoys the other team. Because that's the whole point. It annoys the other team, right? Whether it actually causes any kind of, you know, winning advantage or not, that's debatable. But like, what's worse, Vandy Whistler or move the chains, move the chains, move the chains? Ooh, because I know. I mean, that we got is rid of move the simply. chains, though. Huh? And that was that was equally annoying. And what about the uh, what's the what's the other one that the Titans did? Uh, gosh, I haven't been in a game in uh, a year. So, oh, uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah that's. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's so bad. Let me poke holes in your argument, though, because my the whistling per se is not the problem, other than it ruins the broadcast. So, okay, if you're sitting in front of this guy, I, I would absolutely be suplexing this man over the wall. That That's on you if you can sit in front of that. Congratulations. But, Zach, I know you've pointed out multiple times when I've tweeted out last year or in the subsequent years before it that when, like, say, Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football picks up on some fan that has a really high-pitched, shrill scream that goes on, and, like, who, why do they have the mic pointed at the screamer? They've got to move the mic – it, like it, it just terrorizes the broadcast, right? Eventually, the audio booth fixes it or moves on or something. Would you want a team chant centered around a shrill scream? Like, would, would you want to watch that every Titans game? Uh, it's it's debatable. I mean, I don't really listen to the broadcast that much. I usually put it on Mike Keith and, and listen to that, so... You know, or I'm at a sports bar. I mean, I I just watch I bet, sports a little bit differently. I, I bet I, you can you're hear it on the Vandy the radio broadcast too. What? I bet you can hear it on the Vandy radio broadcast too. 
Oh, I, I mean, you may be able to. That's if, actually, that's, I don't know if it, if it's it's just during when I guess the other team is pitching, right? It's, no, is it it's, pitching it's, and it's batting? No, it's the whole game. <laughs> how do they even? How do the Vandy Whistlers like? I have so many questions about this Vandy Whistler thing. How do they even keep up with this? Do they not go take bathroom breaks? Do they not drink? You well, know, two drink and eat. Do the, do there's, they sync up and say, "Hey, I'm taking inning one. You're taking inning two. I mean. I mean, they probably the text each here? other. Who knows? You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what these heathens do to organize. But it it is all. It is virtually nonstop. I mean, I mean there may be an inning or two listen, where they don't. It's but. obviously a Vandy tradition that is not going away anytime soon. And well, it should. I, I, it, sh- it should. As an outsider, you guys think it that should. I, I am indifferent. Um, but it goes back to your Stockholm syndrome thing. If it's a Titans thing and it's you get up in this idea that it works for your team, I don't know. I think you got to try it, especially in the Super Bowl run. Got to so come the, up with something the, different. The Vandy Whistler said that they would stop if Tim Corbin asked them to stop. And a reporter, I don't remember, I think it was last year, asked Tim Corbin about the whistling. And he gave some BS answer about, oh, they clearly love the team and blah, blah, blah. So, He's not going to ask him to stop. And that's about the whole point I'll agree with Zach on is it's not going away for yeah. some reason. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother the Vandy players or whatever it is. And they don't want it to go away there. And I'll admit it's a small group of Vanderbilt fans that defend them. Uh, it, it, there are quite a few Vanderbilt fans that absolutely can't stand this guy. You'll see it all over social media, but I sat in front of the guy last year. I got in his face, you know, so I'll, I'll give credit to Vanderbilt fans on that one, but no, I'll agree with you, Zach. It's certainly not going anywhere. Well, like, you know, let's all be mad at Tim Corbin then, right? I mean, at this point, everybody should be mad at Tim Corbin, not the Vandy Whistlers. He has the power to stop them. It's like if Superman decided, hey, I'm not going to fly and use my powers. I'm literally just going to write news articles. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to walk everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? What the heck? What the heck, Tim Corbin? If you can end it, end it. There's a problem on the other side of the city, and he's not using it. And I, I get they've kind of got to walk a tightrope, right? Because like these guys are clearly diehard fans, and there's not that many fans. But like I said, I think they they are they are keeping other fans from entering the door. Like uh, there are other people like me who would love to like go to a Vanderbilt, but like I'm not gonna go to a game. I'm not going to go to a game where I know I have to be suggested for subjected to that. And there is no mute button. Um, I'm not going to a game like absolutely not. I'd love to watch good baseball, but I'm not going to a Vanderbilt game to do it. Cause I mean, that's, that's the problem. I think I know that they are huge fans and they're diehards and whatever. And that's great, but you're preventing other fans from joining. So what is the most annoying Titans and or NFL timeline in you all's opinion, I really like this question that Zach posed when we were kind of trying to come up for topics for the show. And this one is one that struck me. So I'll actually start with Zach um, and with the Titans first. What is the most annoying Titans timeline to you? Storyline, um, right? Storyline, yes. Uh, I'll say this. I am getting, I am getting sick of every offseason. And listen, I, I got... I got bit by the bug a couple uh, years ago when Deontay Burnett was here. I'm tired of Titans fans, and I'm so annoyed trying to put in about nine wide receivers on the 53-man roster because everybody falls in love with all of these little wide receivers from small schools or undrafted free agents or blah, 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 blah. Everybody's got the McBride 19. I mean, they're all infected with it this insanity that's flying around because, oh, he's number two in the, uh, in the drill death chart and, you know, oh, he's fast and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that Cam Batson has a ceiling, but this team obviously loves Cam Batson and maybe they are not in love with him as much as people think. But you can't fall in love with every little wide receiver that comes through the doors. We have, who even cares at this point, right? Like, who the hell cares who wide receiver five and six are? We have wide receiver four. We have Julio Jones. We have A.J. Brown. We have Josh Reynolds. 
nobody else matters at this point, in my opinion. And I get it. They matter for, like, special teams. But, you know, we should never uh, really be kicking field goals or really, you know, and all this stuff. It doesn't really matter. We're scoring, baby. We're scoring two-point conversions every play. It doesn't matter who's playing special teams. It doesn't matter. Just stick a guy out there that can fair catch the punt and just, like, spare me that Casey McAlgebra is, oh, he's on fire and, and, oh, Mason Kinsey, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the only person I trust, uh, the only two people in the local media that I trust that go to training camps that know what the, what they're looking for in wide receivers are Teron Davenport and coach McGinnis. Everybody else, they don't know. Like, I love Buck, but Buck has been saying that he's watching film. This, he doesn't know what he's watching. Like, give me a break. And, you know, I get it. People got to say that kind of stuff. This wide receiver, this tight end crap, it doesn't matter. Let's drop it. Like, I get that it mattered when your wide receivers were Doriel Green Beckham and, you know, Harry Douglas. Like, yeah, wide receiver five and six probably matter. It doesn't matter anymore. These guys, I don't even want them to see the field. Anybody past Des Fitzpatrick, I don't even really want Des Fitzpatrick to see the field. I don't want him to see the field. Nick Westbrook Akine is making the team. Des Fitzpatrick's making the team. There's five right there. Wide receiver six doesn't really matter. And I'm sick of it. It's the most annoying thing going right now besides, oh, we got to trade for a tight end or blah, blah, blah. That's just as bad, but that's the worst. I, I mean, I will say that I think all the 53-man roster spots are interesting, right? I mean, that's that's kind of where I come yeah, from. I, mean, I think it is that just because you write a 53-man article on BroadwaySportsMedia.com? Well, no, because I I always think it's interesting how they construct the team, right? Like I, I think you are going to have to have a punt returner of some sort, um, and I don't know who that's going to be right now. And and I don't think there's anybody that stands out as a, a great option. Um, on the roster currently, which, you know, there's a couple guys with experience doing it and, and Mason Kinsey's one of them. Um, I think it's interesting because even if you're just putting them back there to fair catch it, they have to be able to do that. Like they have to be able to actually catch the ball. Um, and that's not as easy as, as maybe we like to think it is um, for a guy to sustain back there and fair catch punts because punts are kind of difficult to catch sometimes. Uh, when the winds blow in and, and you've got, you know, rain coming down and, and there's 11 guys charging in your face um, and you've got to make a fair catch inside or you've got to make a decision whether you're going to fair catch inside the 10 or not. You know, it's they need somebody who can handle that stuff. Even if it even if he's not like a game breaking returner, they just need somebody who is trustworthy, because the last thing you want to do is be giving up muffed punt turnovers because those are devastating uh, those are 50-yard field position plus the ball um, kind of turnovers. So um, I, it does matter to me, like, who those last few wide receivers are on the roster because, it, you know, probably one of those guys is going to be the punt returner, I would guess. I mean, unless they're going to try to put Darren Evans back. You don't have to have, to have a punt returner back. when Caleb Farley's getting interceptions every every series. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> okay, so the Titans defense is sack going to force and interceptions any all over the place. You don't need a punter. All right. All right. No pun, no punting for either team. Nope. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. See, but Zach is, Zach is playing into the storyline that I can't stand in the off season, which is, I feel like fans get so caught up in the fact that you make one big move with like Julio Jones. Oh, we're set. We're just, we're good to go. This team is perfect. We don't need anything else. I heard a lot of that last year, too, with Clowney. Oh, my God, we picked up Clowney. We're so good. Defense is going to go crazy. And I'm not trying to compare Clowney and Julio. The comparison I'm trying to make here is that the Titans need a kicker. The Titans have to continue to make moves. And I've seen multiple fans say, oh, we don't need – I'm not worried about the kicker. We're going to be blowing so many teams out, blah, blah. No, you're not. The NFL rarely turns into a blowout. I do think that the Titans are going to be able to score quite a few points like they did last year, but the Titans have got to have a kicker. And, and, How and do I'm you know very... they don't have one. You, you, you're, you're dead. You've, you've murdered Blake Hall Bill already. You're not even giving him a chance. You can't even say his name. I don't know well, who he is, and you know. don't either. Well, it's because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. That's exactly why I, I didn't say his I name. I think it's Hall Bill. I think, it is what I think it is. that's right. Hall Bill. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I, I think the Titans have a kicker problem and I think the fans right, are just PK. ignoring it. 
That was actually supposed to be, I forgot to write down, but that was actually going to be my most annoying one was people too worried about the kickers. <laughs> I, I am worried about the kickers. I'm going to be that guy. I'm very worried about the kicking. I think that's the, the one thing, the storyline that we're overlooking. I think it's a little fair to be worried about the kickers, to be honest. I mean, they're n- neither one of them are proven, so we don't really know anything about either of those guys. But um, my most annoying storyline is the continue the continuation of the Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, just undervaluing um, not not necessarily by this fan base, but by other fan bases. It, it's just something in every Julio Jones post, everything that goes out there about Julio Jones the first thing you see in the comments under any of these posts from any other fan base is, well, too bad. He's got Ryan Tannehill throwing to him too bad. He's got a bad quarterback. You know, who's going to throw him the ball, all that stuff. I'm so tired of it. And I know the stats are out there. Everyone's seen him. He's been fantastic the last two years. I'm just so annoyed that nobody has updated their opinions of Ryan Tannehill in two years. Like, we have two years of evidence that this guy can be really good in this offense with, with this supporting cast and everyone's ignoring it. And everyone's pretending like Julio Jones somehow isn't going to get fed the ball well enough to, to be able to put up big numbers. Look, it's not going to be quarterback play that holds him back. If anything, it's going to be the fact that Derrick Henry and AJ Brown also need touches and Julio Jones has never been on a team with anyone else of their caliber before uh, to where he's had to share kind of the spotlight on offense so if he doesn't put up 1600 yards and you know whatever uh stat wise it's more likely to be because aj brown is putting up over a thousand yards and derrick henry's rushing for you know close to or over a thousand or two thousand yards and there's just not enough to go around for everybody but it's not going to be because ryan Tannehill isn't a good enough quarterback like get, let's move on from that narrative and that nonsense because I'm just so tired of seeing it. I'm just tired of seeing blatant misunderstanding of football uh, on my timeline. All right, Zach. I want to go back to the kicker thing real quick. Okay. I just want to say that if there was a kicker issue, wouldn't they have already been bringing in or working on bringing in a kicker to, for some more competition now, not to say that they couldn't because it's a long, wait till july but they obviously i feel like must have liked what they've seen out of one of these two guys but you literally could say that about 2020 and 2019 and variable and company did zero about it this is what i think their plan is i I think their plan is we're gonna see if one of these young guys can take the job because that's the ideal situation right they're cheap um they're under cost control for the next three or four years this is going to be a team that's close to being capped out for the next two or three years at least so it would be really nice to have a 22 23 year old kicker on a you know minimum entry level salary that you can just run out there and he can hit you 85 percent of your field goals and everybody feels great about it uh for the next two or three years that's the ideal scenario but i do think in the back of their mind they're going look goskowski lives in nashville um we can just give him a call like if, if everything if if just hobble and mccann are just terrible uh once we get to training camp and we're just like this ain't gonna work they just call Gaskowski and say, Hey buddy, you want to come kick for a couple million bucks? We'll restructure somebody or whatever to make, make the money work. Um, but we're, we're going to need you this year. I, I, I really think that's kind of where they're at. I think they've got Gaskowski on backup and he was good towards the end of the year. And they obviously brought in a new long snapper, which I think they believe was part of the kicking problem uh, over the past, you know, year and a half or so. Yeah, and but, there's really not much difference between drafting a kicker in the sixth or seventh and dr- getting one in, as the undrafted free agent. That's true. Yeah, I, I do think I do think if Hobell had been drafted in the seventh round, people would have felt a lot better about the kicking situation uh, than they do right now. Um, but I think that's really kind of a false thing. You know, I, Rodrigo Blankenship was he was undrafted last year, wasn't he? Or did the Colts draft him in the seventh? Colts drafted him. They did, they did draft him? Okay. I thought for some reason he went undrafted. But um, so. anyways, there's a lot like most kickers uh, come into the league as undrafted free agents. So it's kind of a... Uh, no, he, he did go undrafted. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Yeah. So he, he was an undrafted guy. He worked out for the Colts. So obviously like Habil isn't as well known here because he didn't play in the SEC, but I think Blankenship, you know, maybe, maybe was a little bit better of a college kicker than Habil was statistically, but I don't think it was a huge gap. Habil was good at Ohio state. He was a good kicker. So I think, um, I think the chances that either he or McCann actually run with this thing are probably pretty good. Um, but we'll see. I mean, again, if it comes uh, the whole season comes down to a, a field goal from a rookie kicker, you know, it, it's certainly going to be tough. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do obviously over the next few months, but another guy like Harrison Butker, undrafted guy, nobody really heard of him, ends up being phenomenal for the chief. So I think that's what they're hoping to get out, out of one of these guys. All right, Zach. Harrison if- Butker's seventh round pick, by the way. Oh, was he? Yeah. I, I got I him pulled up here. Drafted. Okay. Zach, what is your NFL storyline you don't want to hear anymore? Uh, I got two. One of them to piggyback off the Jadavian Clowney thing. This Jadavian Clowney in, oh in Cleveland God. is just it's off the rails. And I want to have formally apologize to the rest of the NFL for how Titans fans acted when they <laughs> signed Jadavian Clowney in 2020 because I now being on the other side of it and seeing how Cleveland is acting. I just, it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they are, and for him to say they've never been with a teammate like Miles Garrett or never played with a teammate like Miles Garrett. Dude, you played with JJ Watt. I mean, you played with prime JJ Watt, too. I mean, you have Frank, Frank Clark in Seattle. I mean, you, you've in Seattle and Texans alone, you've played with some great high round draft picks and some great players. And all of a sudden miles Garrett is the best. And listen, I spare me that he's actually showing up and he looks great. And you know, he's motivated a blah, 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 blah. Like good luck. Good luck with, with Jadavion Clowney. I'm tired of hearing about it tired of cleveland the cleveland hype train is off the rails yet again i'm just over that storyline yeah listen jj watt won back-to-back defensive player of the year awards during Clowney's first and second years in the league like give me a break he had he had 38 sacks during those two seasons 38 that is insane like JJ, listen, I'm sorry, and and Miles Garrett is a great football player. He does not sniff 2014 and 2015 JJ Watt as far as a player goes. Like Watt in those two years, those were two of the best seasons by any defensive end ever. Ever. Like, I mean, rare, rare stuff. Um from him in those two years. So yeah, that was the most ridiculous statement I think I've seen from a player in a long time. And in Clowney is just, man, he is hyper annoying. Isn't he like that dude talks more crap for a guy that is just not put, he's put up three sacks in the last two years, three. What is he doing out here? <laughs> I don't understand. He isn't like, he is like public enemy. Number one, for, for Titans fans, I think, you know, and, and I, I hope, uh, I hope the Titans end up running into the Browns at some point this year, uh, just because I would like to see uh, them, them put Clowney in his place, but he'll probably be hurt for that game. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's Cleveland fans are getting a little too worked up because we, we all know Seattle knows as well. I mean, he's going to be pulling himself out of play. He's standing on the sidelines with his hands on his hips. I, I'm with Zach. I, I don't buy that he's showing up and putting full faith effort into the offseason. Absolutely not. Let's finish up where we were last segment. Uh, Mike, what is the NFL storyline you don't want to hear anymore? Um, I, I think I'm out on uh, really anything having to do with the Bears at this point. Like, I'm tired of the Bears. If they're going to start Andy Dalton and subject us to watching that, I don't want to hear anything about them. I, I think they should be stripped of all their national television games. Uh, which I think they have four somehow. Like, you're going to make me watch Andy Dalton four times in primetime? Get out of here, Chicago. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to watch your games. I'm going to be on a full Bears boycott. I'm not drafting any of their fantasy players. I'm out on the Bears until they start Justin Fields. It just I'm bear, bear boycott 2021. Defund the Bears. 
Yes, please get out of here. See, Debbie, this is this is typical, though, right? You got a coach on the hot seat. Are they really going to put the guy that nobody kind of wanted? <laughs> I mean, like, I know that he, Justin Fields ended up being everybody's media darling because someone made some bad comments about him and everybody had to overcorrect on Justin Fields. But I mean, this is this is a typical storyline. Listen, we know how this story ends. This ends with Justin Fields coming in in week eight, trying and going on a little run. And Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace are going to get fired and a new coach is going to come in. We've seen this story. I think we've seen this story here almost uh, to a T. It's 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 I agree. It's ridiculous, but it's expected. Matt Nagy is a horrible head coach. He does not deserve any kind of credit or any kind of praise. And Ryan Pace, they both should have been fired before they drafted the quarterback of the future, because in the end, they're going to ruin Justin Fields. Even if Justin Fields goes on this win streak and they somehow make it above 500, they may keep Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, which would be a horrible idea by the Bears. It's just, it's, I agree. It's bad. They do not deserve any primetime games. I do not care that their market share in Chicago is very high because it's ridiculous that the Chicago Bears are subjected to my eyeballs all the time for, for, no, for no reason. They haven't been exciting to watch in years. Years. Mine is, I'm going to go for a specific part of this NFC East that, that the NFL continues rammed on our throat, specifically on primetime football. Primetime games this year, Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday night football, the NFL, and I'm, I just took a quick count before we started doing this, 10, 10 games in primetime that feature either an NFC East opponent or them playing each other in national football. Now, look, I get that this is an entertainment league and you're going for maximum views and that those four teams have a pretty big market share. But if you're a fan of these teams and you defend this crap on Twitter of market share, bro, that's what you're defending your team on market share. Like that's what you're going to claim. That to me is as ridiculous as when like bears fans start claiming super bowl wins from back in the 1300s when covered wagons were still running across this country. Like you weren't alive for that mess. Don't try to claim those Super Bowl victories. Claiming market share is some kind of championship for yourself because you get to watch your horrible, boring team on primetime. It's pathetic. And I really wish the NFL would find a way to navigate away from double-digit numbers of having to watch these losers over and over again every season. I don't want to watch the Eagles. I don't want to watch the Giants. I don't want to watch the Cowboys. I don't want to watch any of these losers. Stop putting them on primetime. There, there is no way that the the game between the Eagles and Giants, gosh, I think it was Monday Night Football uh, last year, is better than some of the Titans games that showed. I mean, I, I let me say something. The Titans had really high ratings for a team that lacks market value or whatever, had really high TV ratings last year. I don't see any reason why, especially with the addition of Julio Jones, you don't start flexing some of these games. Like, go ahead and flex the schedule now because nobody's going to want to watch some of these teams play, and some of them don't deserve it. I think that for primetime games, at least one, or I think at least both teams should have had a above 500 winning record last year. That would solve a lot of your issues of putting in boring or crappy teams that would have eliminated a lot of Jaguars, Texans, or Jaguars, Titans, Thursday night games. Oh, that would have been so great just to get rid of some of those games off of television. I think that they need to hold the primetime games to a higher standard than what they are. Anybody comments, concerns, questions? I was waiting for Mike to chime in and then I didn't know how long I should sit here. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a ton to add to it. I I think, uh, (laughs) the NFC East is exhausting. Um, especially, you know, coming off of a year like last year when they, what what was, what was Washington seven and nine, six and 10, were they six and ten? I think they were six and ten. It, yeah, uh, I think they were six the, ten the, and or 
six nine six, and nine one and one maybe yeah, yeah six, won the division with it. six wins um yeah i don't need to watch that I, and i don't i like you said i don't care what market they're in i don't care how big their fan base is like how about this nfl your product is bulletproof if you put the best teams on it's going to get even better and hey you might even grow fan bases that don't aren't that big right now you know like like hey the titans play really good exciting football they score a ton of points how about we put them on some some tvs and see if maybe instead of just catering to uh this this washington football fan base uh that's out there maybe we try to grow some new titans fans and and you know people who want to tune in and watch aj brown and julio jones and derrick henry maybe maybe try that i don't know that that's a wild idea i know um but look people aren't going to turn off because they see titans and uh you know rams on on a primetime game like that's not going to deter anybody it's not going to deter anybody if it's titans chiefs which are is not a you know big time primetime markets um those are those are exciting games to put on primetime television i don't i don't understand why uh, Bears Giants would be a more appealing game. I, I, I well, just really well, they're don't. also primetime games, right? Like primetime games, you're you're watching them. Yeah. If you're a football fan and you love football, it doesn't matter if your team's on it or not. If you play fantasy football, you're watching Monday night football more than likely. You're watching Sunday night football more than likely because you probably have players on the line that for your game. So I don't understand why they feel the need they have to go with the biggest market share because I would venture to bet that the ratings for Kansas City versus Tampa Bay on a primetime game, because those two markets aren't that big, right, are the same for uh, Dallas versus New York Giants. I, I, I'm going to pull up some primetime numbers next by next episode. We're going to look at the ratings. We're going to see – we're going to – we're going to put it in an Excel spreadsheet and we are going to calculate and get out the TI-89 calculators and we are going to figure this out. It's going to be a very exciting episode. Spreadsheets, calculators. Get my abacus, Huxley. Just... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something that I don't care the ratings for because I don't want to see it on TV. Reunion shows. I don't want to see Frasier reunion. I don't want to see Friends reunion. And I don't care. And I'm going to cut the legs off of Zach's uh, topic before I even let him answer. But like, let me start with the friends reunion. Do you really want to see these jokers 20 years later out of shape, not looking like their original characters talking about how much they love and miss the show? Absolutely. Just throw my body out of an airlock. I would rather watch paint dry than listen to this stuff. I, I just, I don't care. I don't want to see it. They're friends. If you like friends, good for you. Fine. I like Frazier. I think it was a good show. I really enjoyed watching it. I'll fire it up every now and then on a you know streaming platform when I want to watch it. I don't want you to drag in geriatric Kelsey Grammer and company and have them w sit around and shamble and ramble about how great that show was. Miss well, me on the reunion doing. shows. That's not what the Frasier thing is about. They're wanting to do a series revival. No. And, and oh, they're wanting to bring it back. Yeah, they're wanting to bring it back. It was uh, he was on uh, Rich Eisen's show, or maybe the podcast, and he they they've sent scripts to Paramount Plus with and ideas and all this stuff. I mean, they're they're he is involved in doing and getting this off the ground. But they're wanting to do a revival. So mad about you. You may have not known that y'all may not know this. Mad about you did a revival just recently where they brought back the series for one season. It's just it just wasn't as good as the original Mad About You, and you may never watch Mad About You, but it, it was really good. How can you bring back Frazier without John Mahoney? That he was the glue that that kept he pretty much kept the whole series grounded from turning into a jokes about caviar and wine the whole time. Like he kept he kept it grounded for the average viewer. Without him as the father, now that he's you know passed away. There is no reason to bring back this show. There's a ton of shows like this that you don't need to be bringing back. But this is this is a for a series revival. No, just let it lie. I do not care what Frazier is doing. You know, twenty years now later, what he is doing. 
I, I don't care, you know, what Roz is up to and, you know, what Niles and Daphne are up to. I don't care. I mean, I'm sure I don't even know what Daphne even probably looks like, you know, all these years later. I mean, like, I, I just don't care. Like, let it let it lie. Now, bringing the cast back and doing like a little clip show and, you know, maybe some behind the scene looks and and all this stuff like I know you just talked about the friends thing. We Lauren and I watched the friends thing together, the reunion show. It was it was pretty good. I mean, it was just nice, you know, if you were a fan of the show to kind of, you know, get their perspective and and you got a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You got to see like they they had everybody sign uh the the back of uh this the set at some point and uh I can't remember what Joey uh wrote, but he wrote something funny on the back like I I crap here or something like that. And um but then you really found out that uh, David Schwimmer, Jennifer Aniston did have something going on behind the scenes and all this stuff, like like real stuff, when they were with other people, apparently. So you got some good stuff extra, but yeah, I get it. It's just a bunch of fan service for themselves or for the fans. But, you know, that's a one-time thing. I don't mind a one-time thing. Don't bring back a whole series and try to, you know, recreate the magic. Yeah, and here's here's the other problem with with recreating the magic because they, like they tried it with Fuller House too, right? I mean that that really didn't do like you got one or two episodes in for nostalgia purposes, and you were like, oh wow, this is really cool, and then I you lost interest. Full House sucked. The, the oh, full, full House yeah, sucked. They were, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but anytime they try to do these reboot, reboots, I feel like they never really come off. Like you get the nostalgia attention uh, initially, but then it just fizzles like, because it's just not the same. It's not the same. And look, and this is going to sound really crazy, but I hate shows about old people um, <laughs> because all they end up turning into is a bunch of jokes about being old. And I don't like those jokes. I don't find them funny. Um, I don't want to hear, you know, Dr. Fraser crane make jokes about, well, I can't do blah, blah, blah. Like I used to, or what? like, I, I can't stand that kind of humor. I just hate it. I don't like shows about old people and all those people are really old now. So I, yeah. Cause I mean, Fraser wasn't exactly a young buck uh, when he was, uh, yeah, on that show back in the day um so yeah i kind of think uh i'm out on any reboot shows that are that long like you just can't go that long and still have that kind of like interest mike mike brings up something this is a little random to this but i've got my, most of my family loves the show everybody loves raymond and i've tried to watch it and I just don't understand what they find so funny. And I think it's along the lines of what Mike's talking about. There's a lot of like, we're not young anymore humor. And then the parents are just, it's nonstop old jokes. And then I'm like, it's the same thing set to a laugh track every single episode. Yeah. What is entertaining about this? Yeah. Anytime we're like, anytime Shelby and I are like going through Netflix or, or whatever, trying to find a movie to watch. And I see like, it's like four old people. I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to watch that because I know what the jokes are going to be. And I don't find them funny. Like that's the thing. Like, I, maybe I will when I'm 60, right? I don't know. But I just don't find the, well, back in my day or these young kids, like I don't find any of that stuff funny. Like none of it's funny. It's all been done a million different times the same way. And it's beaten to the ground. Find new material. That is, I, I'm out on any any old people shows. I'm just out on it. <laughs> Mike is so fed up for the old people shows. <laughs> so and the band really get me going. Murder she wrote out. I'm out. God, no, yeah, please. Mike is Golden just Girls. Tuning. What about Golden Girls? I'm wearing no, a Golden I'm Girls out. tank top. I'm out. I don't. I can't watch Golden Girls. Like I just don't. I don't enjoy it. Mike, you fall asleep watching Designing Women. Just tell us you do. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is. Designing Women. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Uh, I'm yeah I'm fine with that I just I I don't and I just don't want and Zach I get it with the with the revival stuff and all that I I just I don't necessarily care about reunion shows and I know that's pure opinion and all that but I kind of feel like when the show ends it it ends you know it's like 
it's like if they try to bring back the cast of Lost and try to explain what they did in the last season and where it went wrong. Uh, you've already butchered it. Just leave it alone. Like, <laughs> let's just move on. Either you're going to reboot the show with complete new people and try to undo it, which is not exactly a great formula. Just leave it alone. Like, yeah, I don't think you need to bring things back. Yeah, Am I wrong okay about that, leave. Mike? It's okay to leave the past the past sometimes. You know, like, in, in look, listen, to be honest, there's very few shows that I enjoyed well enough to really enjoy a reunion of that, you know, that much later. Now, like, Seinfeld, I would probably watch just because I find pretty much all of those people hysterical. Like, I, I and I still enjoy all of them when they currently, you know, show up in a show or, or whatever. Like, Julia Louise Dreyfus and Jerry Seinfeld are two of the funniest people uh on earth to me so i i kind of feel like i would go i would watch a seinfeld reunion simply because i still think they'd be funny and they would find a way to make it entertaining but there's like so few shows where the cast is still relevant this much this far uh away from the show and it would still be interesting like that but i think seinfeld is one that i would watch um, but I can't think of a whole lot of other shows that I would actually enjoy. Well, Seinfeld just has for. a good jumping off point, right? They get released from jail and now they don't know what the world's been like since they've been gone. And that, you know. that actually, I would watch that. Yeah. I, Thank I, you. Thank you. I, I just created a whole show. I wouldn't be opposed to just watching that. Yeah. They get released from jail, but it would have to be like a one season deal where they like get out and, and then it's just, you know, whatever happens to them or whatever. See, if friends had come back and admitted that, they had found like six pounds of Coke in the wall and they were selling it. And that's how they were affording that apartment. Then I I would have been intrigued because like GTFO with them affording either one of those apartments, they show in the, in the show, especially the main one that the girls are living in. So uh, yeah, Seinfeld may be the only one I could tolerate. Yeah. That was like a 3000 square foot apartment in New York city. Yeah, they were there. They, they, it looked a lot bigger than what I think it was supposed to be, but yeah, there's no way, no way. That's going to do it for us here. Football and other F words. Again, please rate and review, subscribe, and let people know to uh, check us out. If you've enjoyed the podcast, um, again, you can find us at broadwaysportsmedia.com for more written content to back up what we've said here on the podcast. And as always, you've just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.